everybody welcome back to another edition of the untitled jeff gluck podcast i'm your host jeff gluck and i'm here at the chili bowl or what's left of it as they clean up the dirt because i gotta get it out of here and i'm with the great racing announcer blake anderson blake how are you i'm great boy you're really using the term great loosely right now jeff but uh, boy what a week here in Tulsa. No, you, you are great because uh, you're one of, I think, four PA announcers that is calling, calling the action here. People from all across uh, motorsports pitching in, and, and I see you at work, and uh, it's great. You make it very exciting. I'm very impressed with what you do. So, uh, and, and you know what? You were in victory lane tonight to present the Golden Driller. Yeah. So that had to be uh, another cool thing. I, I know you've done that before, but it's pretty awesome. That's one of the coolest things I get to do. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I get to call some pretty cool races through the year, and presenting the golden driller is just so cool because it's it's one of the most sought after trophies in all of racing not just the sprint cars and midgets and stuff that i'm used to but really just all across racing all disciplines so blake um let's just get right into it because we saw one of the more memorable finishes um that you're going to see in any race all year not just the chili bowl um this was something that was pretty spectacular so it looks like uh kyle larson is dominating the race He's finally going to win that elusive first Golden Driller. You're going to present it to him. Uh, and then, out of nowhere on the last lap, his rival, and, and they have respect for each other. So I don't know if, you know, even Bell said, I don't know if rival's the right term. But, uh, you know, they always are, are one-two and, and right there with each other. At Bell has won the last two Chili Bulls before this. And he goes in there, uh, and Larson essentially blows the last corner and Bell wins instead. I mean, unbelievable finish. It reminds me a lot of, to, to, to keep it in the open wing world, is the 1998 Knoxville Nationals when you thought Sammy had it won. It's going to be his first Knoxville Nationals since 1983, and he missed the bottom with one to go, and, you know, down it goes. But, uh, boy, I mean, Kyle, he just he wants it so bad. And to see the look on his face when he got oh. out of the car, just complete and utter dejection. I mean, just... I felt bad. I mean, oh honestly, gosh, felt yeah. bad for him. Just heartbroken. But uh, you're exactly right. He went into the bottom of turn number one trying to protect that lead and just got in there too hot and slid up off the bottom. And open door, Christopher Bell just walks right on in, and they bang wheels off of two, and half a lap later, Christopher Bell wins his third straight driller. Yeah, and, and at first glance, I mean, being totally honest, I mean, this is this is my revised thing now that I've seen a replay. But at first glance, I'm standing kind of near where you were. Yeah. And I had thought that uh, Bell just blasted in there and basically made contact, shoved Larson up the track, uh, you know, like, like a bump and run type thing, knocked him out of the way to win. I even tweeted he knocked him out of the way. Uh, turns out, no, that's not the case. Larson said, fair game. I screwed up. I'm mad at myself. I'm not mad at him. Um, shook his hand. I mean, he Larson wasn't mad at, at Bell whatsoever. Um, it just, you know, it was kind of shocking at the time because it, you didn't think you weren't you weren't going into those final laps thinking, yeah, Bell's going to even be close to this, and there he was. Absolutely. I mean, you and I stand down in turns three and four. I'm on victory lane stage, and you're right behind it. We don't have the best angle of turns one and two, especially a main time because there's so many bodies in the infield, but. You're exactly right. When Kyle came off of four to take the white flag, 
he has a couple car lengths ahead of Christopher, and I thought, ball game, you know, here it is. Kyle's finally going to get that driller, and when he comes off a two and back into you and I's sight line, he's banging wheels with Christopher on the top side, and Christopher's taking the lead down the back stretch, and boy, those last five laps, I mean, Kyle had pretty much dominated. He was five, six car lengths ahead consistently the last five to ten laps. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about the, the look on his face. Um, I haven't been around, I've obviously been around Larson's NASCAR career and things like that. And he's had some tough losses there, things that have knocked him out of the playoffs. But I haven't been around, you know, for all, all his dirt stuff as much. Um, is this the toughest loss of his career, do you think? I mean, you know, last year he, had, he blew up while doing so well, but that wasn't his doing. This was his own fault, even in his words. Absolutely. I think it is. I mean, I've been watching Kyle since... 2011 I was announcing for USAC and that's when Kyle took the world by storm I, I got to call his first USAC midget win at Bloomington Speedway during midget week and that was what really ignited the Kyle Larson summer of Kyle Larson right there mid-June of 2011 and it took off from there the, the only one I can think that would maybe even be remotely close and I don't even think it's in the same ballpark as, as heartbreaking is last year's Knoxville Nationals the 2017 Knoxville Nationals when he had a run on Donnie at the white flag and tapped his right rear on the fence and that was enough to kind of slow his momentum and cost him what probably would have been an Oxford Nationals title but at that in that role he was chasing and trying to get to get to that win this one I mean we thought he had it wrapped up and I thought man there's no he's going to cruise to this thing and he gave it away and I, I hate to say that I mean but it but yeah. as you said in his own words he gave it away yeah I mean he was the one you know we're not we're not uh coming up with this theory he's the one that has been saying that more than anybody um you know what what is it about bell i mean it, it I, i've got to say it just seems like bell is in larson's head uh i it, you know every time it's he's talking about midget racing or whatever i mean it's like i gotta beat bell and, it, and it's because bell is obviously beating him a lot but it's like th this is a guy who really has uh like somebody he can't overcome in some ways it's weird because i think you're right it's almost like the pressure it just continues to mount and i think tonight was the indication of just how much pressure kyle larson puts on himself to beat christopher bell and it's been a blast to watch from our perspective as race fans whether it be xfinity races or wherever it is dirt tracks sprint car races i get to see them race sprint cars against each other a handful of times through the year and here but i think tonight it also boils down to a little bit of this where Kyle's chasing that elusive first driller. Christopher's got nothing to lose. I mean, he wakes up tomorrow morning. If he runs second, yeah, he's certainly dejected. But he rolls out of bed, and he looks at two drillers and walks down to his living room and sees a midget that he won the biggest race of his life in. And he says, you know what? Come back next year. I still got two. Where Kyle, you know, you look back on a career, and you you kind of think, man, if, he, if he, it takes even longer to get one, how long is he going to look back on the 2019 Chili Bowl and say, man, I, I had that. I had right. that driller and blew it yeah um so blake like okay you're you're obviously close with these guys because you're around dirt racing a lot um so but I, i'm not saying that you know you're not going to be unbiased but that's that's a qualifier i mean you, you're you have intimate knowledge of these guys you, you see them all the time can you explain to you know a lot of people that are listening to this are, are kind of nascar primarily people they may not be in the dirt what do people in the dirt world like how high do they hold the talent level that is Bell and Larson like are, are we talking about like potential greatest ever type conversations or just greatest of this generation or greatest of now like where do people hold these guys I think uh, very highly I mean they're, they're 
I don't, I'm trying to think of the right words, golden boys for us maybe as a way to say, I mean, we're so, we hate to see, we hate to lose them because we enjoy watching them run so much, but we're so proud of what they've been able to do and what they've been able to accomplish. But I think they're right in between that, that uh, greatest of a generation. And I think, you know, I don't know if we can put greatest ever right now, but I think maybe let's fast forward two decades when they're in their forties and we're looking back and say, man, I, I, Right now, who's better than what they're able to do? It's just incredible what those two are able to do. Because you think, like, greatest ever. Well, you got Steve Kinzer in sprint cars, but Steve didn't get in midgets and have a ton of success and, and do what these guys have done. You put Kyle or Christopher in a cup cup car, Christopher per se, we're assuming with Christopher, but Kyle right. has success. Xfinity has success. Trucks has success. Wing, wing sprints, the biggest platforms, they have success. Outlaws, All-Stars, Kings Royal, Knoxville National, success. Midgets, I mean... They have success, and, and that's what blows me away is how those guys can just come back to our world against guys that do it 50 to 100 nights a year and just make it look easy. I talked to my dad that's not a big sprint car fan, and that's what he's always amazed about Kyle and Christopher is how that they can just get in a midget this weekend and run it 10 times a year and make it look like a walk in the park. Yeah. It's, it's just so interesting to me because here you have, like you're saying, that these two guys potentially – you know, if their careers play out how they have been so far, could go down as like some of the greatest in dirt ever, right? Or greatest all-around drivers ever that, that the dirt community has seen. And yet I feel in NASCAR still, for a lot of people, they're sort of underappreciated. I mean, people see Larson run the high line in NASCAR and go, that's cool. People see uh, Bell win some Xfinity races in, in good equipment. They go, okay, cool. He might be good someday. But I don't think people really grasp like, how uber uber talented these guys are and how lucky actually nascar is that they've actually even chosen to be there because like you said they could just make a great career out of dirt oh absolutely i mean i feel like both of those guys could be and would be ward of outlaw sprint car drivers running 100 nights a year making darn good money doing it it's a tougher life i feel like that i mean they absolutely have a tough life but it's it's not as much of the grind as driving five six hours a night to the next race and doing it and then doing it again and doing it again where you're not on the planes as much and you're grinding it out more but man i mean just i would they they are so appreciated when they come back to our sport and they get back to our sport i feel like our fans do a nice job of letting them know how much they appreciate kyle and christopher coming back because there was a while there you say through the mid 90s into the early 2000s where the guys went to nascar and they they went to nascar and they never really came back i mean Jeff Gordon qualified for the 1990 Chili Bowl, and I think this is one of the first times he got back. And we don't—I don't hold that against him. He doesn't owe our sport anything, but it's cool to see him get back. But it, I think it makes me appreciate what Kyle and Christopher do even more. How often they get back and they race in front of our dirt fans, and they're promoting it. I mean, they're Absolutely. highlighting it, saying, "You guys got to check this out. This is great. This is awesome." Um, and I think that's big, and that they—that it—and it goes both ways too, because they're also, you know, bringing dirt fans to NASCAR and saying. And, and giving dirt fans a reason to watch NASCAR where they maybe wouldn't have, uh, you know, in, before those guys. So Take Kyle a year ago at Michigan. Michigan saw a little bit of a ratings peak after Knoxville Nationals last year, and I think that was kind of the dirt fans. Kyle finished second at Knoxville Nationals thanking Chip Ganassi because we had that let him race, Chip, and uh, Kyle got to race, and I think that was kind of a thank you from the dirt fans to, to let Kyle race. I think when you see Kyle and Christopher race, the night before a NASCAR race and they talk about it if they run well I think you see it spikes the interest in the dirt world it gets Twitter going and I guess to turn a question to you 
on them coming back. I think did that spike your interest in kind of covering our sport because of how much they run? Without them, would you have any interest in covering races like the Chili Bowl and Knoxville Nationals if it wasn't for them constantly promoting the dirt track side of things? I, I think it played a big role in me wanting to give it a try, you know? Um, I mean, I've obviously heard about the Chili Bowl in the past and, you know, would kind of keep track of the results even like when Kevin Swindell was winning and stuff. But it has seemed like more on my radar or bigger to me since like Larson and Bell have been over here um, and you know it's, it's just something I was interested in checking out and the fact that there's I feel like I can cover it and and NASCAR fans can understand what's going on because they know some of the names they know a Casey Kane they know a Stenhouse you know and all those guys being active in it it's sort of like helps all motorsports rise I feel like absolutely and we're I know us dirt trackers we're so appreciative of all the coverage you guys have given us I mean watching you through the week kind of break it down to the NASCAR fans, the fans that really, I mean, if it weren't for guys like Ricky running the Chili Bowl and Casey and Kyle and Rico, who's got it, you know, the NASCAR fans know who and Christopher, they wouldn't have really much interest in watching you kind of explain it to them, especially today, because today is a person that if you've had no interest in motorsports today is super confusing. If you're yeah. just coming in with a blindfold on and like, man, what the heck is Omain number two? Right, right, and right. what are all these championship races, all these mains all day? And I think you said it best. We kind of create a ladder for them, and the, um, based on where they finish in their qualifying night, that slots them or seeds them in a race, and they have to do the, what we call the alphabet soup or climb the ladder towards the A. The A is the pinnacle, and if the worse you do on your qualifying night, the lower main you're going to be in, and the high, fire, higher you have to climb. Um, yeah, I, I really think there's a lot that actually NASCAR could take from the dirt community. Um, you know, even even the pole shuffle tonight, which how they decide, you know, one on one matchup between the top 10 guys. Um, you know, I, I, I know that NASCAR was here watching with some executives, yeah. uh, Steve O'Donnell, and uh, maybe maybe they got some ideas, hopefully. But um, Blake, uh, obviously, you're, you're about to start your season. Um, is it the Ollie's Bargain Outlet? all-star circuit, circuit of, champions. of champions yep is that We're, right did i get the name right absolutely yes. we've got a we've got a big year coming up i think 57 races on the schedule or 11 states and, and this is what the, the series that tony stewart owns the sprint yep. car series this is the sprint car series that tony stewart owns i came on with them uh when tony bought the series just after i got a call from roger slack who runs eldora speedway who's been a, a huge influence in my career i owe a lot to roger and he's a guy that i can i lean on a lot and he's given me a lot of opportunities and Roger called me. I was working for World Racing Group that owns the World of Outlaws, not announcing much anymore. I think I announced maybe 10 races that year after I moved to Charlotte and decided I wanted to work in racing. My parents forced me to move down there and said, this is what you're <laughs> going to do after I graduated college. But uh, Roger called and said, hey, Tony bought this series and we want you to announce. You know, you need to interview and announce, do the marketing and do a little bit of everything. And I've really enjoyed being able to get back to announcing. It's what I enjoy doing. But uh, we got a big season with the All-Stars, and we see guys like Christopher and Kyle all season long. I mean, Kyle, he'll run most of Ohio Sprint Speed Week where he run nine nights in a row through Ohio, and Christopher the same, and it's, it's exciting when they get to come back. We see a lot more social media activity when those guys are running with us and running well. Yeah, and, and for those who maybe perhaps have sparked a slight interest in dirt, uh, by following the Chili Bowl or, or something over the last year, Knoxville, it's on your radar. Um, if you're down in Daytona, uh, you guys run at Volusia, which is like, I don't know, yeah. 30, 40 minutes yeah, from just, Daytona just, that same week. 
just right up the road. Yeah, I think 25, 30 minutes. We're there uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm, like the 4th and 5th, whatever those dates are right in there off the top of my head. I'm uh, struggling. We run an hour and a half up the road from Daytona in two weeks, the 20, or 31st to the 2nd of February. Okay. And that's where we kick off in Ocala. And we also run with the NASCAR race of the season, the uh, June race at Chicagoland. Okay. Xfinity runs on Saturday afternoon at the cup track and then right across the parking lot we run saturday night with the ira sprints there'll be 30 40 sprint cars on hand and that's exciting to get to run with nascar that weekend yeah so i mean if you guys you know are looking for an opportunity to maybe get your feet wet in in dirt or check it out uh and you're already going to a nascar race there's some companion opportunities there so um anyway any blake any final thoughts uh, about this year's chili bowl or, or what lies ahead i feel like we were just sitting here a year ago with all the background noise tearing it apart and here we are we build it we've run it again and another chili bowl in the books an exciting year ahead and for those race fans listening that are kind of on the fence with sprint cars maybe it's don't be afraid to ask us questions i mean we're, we're we try to be a welcoming bunch and we certainly welcome new race fans so don't think your question is dumb and be afraid to ask it to any of us we, we would love to have you guys come out to a race and give us a chance yeah dude I, honestly i'm pretty sure that when i showed up for the chili bowl last year i, I don't think i knew the, the difference between a, a sprint and a midget honestly <laughs> so uh, you know it's I, I feel like i've learned a lot but it's because of people like you um and people like in the dirt community i, I thought i remember coming here thinking oh my god i'm gonna be like the outsider nascar guy they're gonna be like what are you doing here they're gonna be kind of standoffish total opposite everybody's so welcoming they're very enthusiastic about like helping helping me learn helping anybody learn so uh yeah it's what what blake said about being them being a welcoming group uh, i definitely think is very true so i appreciate all you guys oh i remember one of my best friends back home that's a huge fan of yours we always read your writing and nascar stuff and I remember texting him, Austin shot me a text and said, Jeff Gluck is coming to the Chili Bowl. <laughs> we could not believe it. We're like, oh my God, this is this is awesome. And then talking to you down in the infield, and then he said, I think I'm going to come to Knoxville Nationals. And Knoxville Nationals is another race that's near and dear to my heart. I worked there five years through college and, and grew up 25 minutes from Knoxville and Newton and uh, where Iowa Speedway is and, and watched that and worked out there when they were building that racetrack. And it's just, it's so exciting to have guys like you and a Matt Weaver coming out and guys that NASCAR people per surpayment people and, and taking to our sport and taking a liking to it and I'm, I'm proud of our race fans for the most part have been welcoming I mean don't let a few bad apples ruin the bunch <laughs> we try to be pretty welcoming so but don't worry any questions you guys have don't be afraid to ask us and where can people follow you on Twitter or get, or get in contact with you at Blake Anderson on Twitter I got lucky I got on Twitter way That's early great. and That's got great. my name so at Blake Anderson don't yeah, all-star sprints. If you want to come to an all-star race, certainly tweet us. We love new fans. We're, we've got a lot of races on pay-per-view through the season. We're working on finishing that up, but most of our 57 race schedules should be on pay-per-view, so you can you can always watch us. And It's going to be a really, really exciting year, and as we said, we're, you're going to see a lot of, for you NASCAR folks, a lot of Christopher Bell, a lot of Kyle Larson, a lot of Rico Abreu at our races. So you'll And Casey Kane now, you'll see a lot of Casey and Tony. Tony runs 30 to 40 of our races, so don't feel like just the all-stars you're not going to see a name you're not going to know you, right. you'll probably see a name or two every race that you'll recognize that's pretty cool well blake thank you for joining me in this exact same spot in the in the chili bowl announcers booth ab above the track as they're tearing it down for the second straight year um and thank you to all of you for listening and i'll talk to you next time on the untitled jeff gluck podcast